Hello, SRU. How's it going, everyone? My name is Jeremy Lynch, host of the podcast, where we get to talk about all things going on in our rock community. We actually have the full crew back today, meaning I am joined by producer Dr. Nick Artman and our content curator, Justin Zackle. Gentlemen, nice to see you again. Hey, guys. How's it going? It's good to, good to be back. It was weird not being there, knowing you guys were recording without me. I felt you were cheating on me. Listen, the wheels fell off. I'm just going to tell you that right now. <laughs> Justin's like trying to take over as host by the end of the last one. He's asking questions. I'm like, what is going on around here? We're hitting buttons. It's, it was nonsense. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah Nick, your, your job your job is secure. So we, we haven't, uh, uh, you, you, it's not, there's no redundancies, uh, as they say in Britain. See, that's really it. That's I wasn't actually sick. I just wanted to make sure you guys missed me. Yeah, we did. Don't worry. <laughs> just Can't explaining. Wait. All the pre stuff, we were like, "What does Nick say?" <laughs> so what you're saying is, it's going to be a lot of fun to go back and edit that episode. You're gonna have a ton of fun doing it. <laughs> yeah. Good luck with that. Thanks. <laughs> uh, our guest today is Renee Coyne, and I actually don't know that that's how I pronounce her last name because I forgot to ask her before, but she just gave me a thumbs up. So we're gonna go with Coyne. Renee is the Associate Director of Career Education and Development at SRU and has been a part of The Rock for over 13 years. She earned her master's degree in student affairs and higher education from SRU in 2012 and a BS in biology from Gannon. Renee joins us to talk about some of the current trends in the job market for college students and what students have to look forward to as they prepare for life during and after college. And with that, we're pleased to welcome Renee Coyne. Renee, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, I believe this is the first time I think we've met, believe it or not. I mean, we've both been here for, I've been here for a decade. You've been here for a little longer. So it's unusual, but it's nice to meet you. Well, excited to chat a little bit more. I think we might have seen each other in passing in McKay, but you are a pretty fast walker. So <laughs> I don't know I'm, if I've caught up to you. <laughs> I'm dodgy. <laughs> she's, she's using an avoidance strategy. Yeah. Yeah. Don't talk to me. I'm just trying to get through the halls. But yeah. So yeah, you're in McKay now, probably what? A little more with the testing center. Yep. Running some of the testing center for education majors and also GED for our community members. So up there, it's running about four days a week, which is nice. We had to pause it during COVID. So it's great to have it back and accessible to Slippery Rock and our community. Yeah, that was a weird thing with, uh, well, with our education majors. A lot of them were taking their certification tests online and that eh, we got some mixed results from that. Yeah, they weren't exactly a big fan of it. Definitely agree. They felt a little invaded being watched through their computer while well, they were it was testing. Crazy too, like how you had to do it. You, your computer, so to give you an, I, I, your computer had to face a certain direction, right? There could be, then you had to like pick up your computer and scan all the walls, so that mm -hmm. they could verify that you didn't have anything written on the walls. It was crazy. What? Yeah, yeah. and if you broke eyesight from your computer for a certain length of time, they could cancel your exam. So if you even stopped to look up and think, you could get a threatened voice over, over your Zoom per se, or your testing that said, you are cheating right now and I'm going to shut your test down. <laughs> so it was very stressful. 
for students. <laughs> yeah, there's there's some there's some things that we learned that we're going to keep, and there's some things that we learned that we're definitely going to get rid of. Right, our center yeah. is not that stressful. We are very friendly, so but, it is a much more laid back environment. It's amazing to me the like the level that students will the level of creativity that comes into student cheating sometimes. Like the like even online trying to think of different ways. Uh, your your story just made me think. I teach uh, civil discourse, which is akin to like a public speaking class and we they have to vi- video record their sermons and they have to sermons video record sermons. their speeches some of them are like sermons and um they have to before the pandemic they had to have an audience of 10 and i'm watching this one speech it's great it's fine i get to the second one and i notice that one of the family members looks exactly the same like never moved the entire way but had a tassel cap on and a blanket over their shoulder so i go back to the first video same facial feature same pose everything so i email the student and i said i I just want to double check is this person in your video a cardboard cutout and it was. She emailed me back and then blamed me for it. She's like, well, if you didn't have an audience requirement, I wouldn't have to put a, a cardboard cutout in my. But I mean, I kudos because she dressed up the cardboard cutout differently for each video. Mm-hmm. But it was yeah. it was pretty amazing. It's almost you. like they go through more work to cheat. That's what I'm saying. Would have yeah. They actually just would have done it. Just prep the speech. The just prep the speech. Yeah. Just do the test. Right. Although my favorite line from a student doing the testing center, we also have to check glasses. So they have to take their glasses off and we have to inspect them for any type of devices. And the student said to me, you can look at them. But if I could, if I knew how to put a camera into glasses, I would not be taking these exams. And I thought, fair enough. (laughs) I thought, best comment ever. You're so gracious. And that was hilarious. That's great. (laughs) Just pass them for that. Mm-hmm. All right. So Renee, I've been here, like I said, for 10, this is my 10th year now. And in those 10 years, there's been a lot that has changed over in the career development world. So you want to kind of walk us through what some of those changes were like and pretty much why? Sure. Yeah, we've been on quite a path for adjusting and changing here at SRU, but as an industry for many years. And so if we even go back much further than 10 years, Uh, career offices were what they used to call placement offices, where you would, candidates, students would actually be placed into a job. You'd go to the career Mm -hmm. office, they'd look at your file, they'd match you up with a company file, and there were no questions about it. This is where you were placed for your first level of employment. And that uh, started to fade away, we'd say in the 80s, and it became because the number of students going to college was much higher. They couldn't necessarily place every student directly. And also, eventually, students started to say, I don't want to be placed. I want to find my own job. Uh, was more of a service. So you kind of came in and, and checked things over. Even things like we career offices used to do more typing of your resumes. You could pay to have your resume typed or scanned mm. or uh, Xerox copied in that way. And um, we've definitely have a large shift moving from that and purposely into our our title at SRU is more career education and development. So in my time at SRU, it's been much more focused 
on educating students about their whole career, their career and life, uh, looking to assess more of what they're gifted with, what they're interested in, what they would like to explore, how they can even make a difference into society, right? Shouldn't we take what we're good at and make changes into the world for a better place for all? So not just looking at what job am I going to clock into and clock out of, but what difference am I going to make? Sometimes that isn't always the first glamorous job or the greatest job, but it's looking at your whole span of career. And so the education piece is important, partly because we're a large institution. And while we'd love to have a a staff that's much larger, you know, there's restrictions everywhere. So uh, the educational model is more of we we teach students how to do it once so that they can then replicate it in the future. We spend a lot more time thinking about the why we do it. Why do we set up your resume this way? Why do we work on interview tactics in this way so that the information can be replicated? And in one of our exit surveys, we ask if students share information from students and two other students. And so about 89% of the students who come into our office teach someone else about what we have taught them. And so we nice. really love that organic growth as well. And so we're also spending a lot of time with students before they come in. So prospective students can also work with the career office to look at their majors and Mm. again, explore interests and areas of growth. And we're proud that we are an office that serves alumni. So not all offices do, but alumni can stop back at any point in time in their career to retool, adjust, reorganize. And so we're we're glad to offer that as well. Well, I didn't know that. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Dang, I wonder how many people know that. <laughs> well, I'm sure more, than, I mean, I'm a small sample size, but yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, we hear that all the time. I mean, I think marketing might not be our best tool, but also we're busy with some other tasks. And I think the other part of career in general is that it's a readiness feature. I'm ready for this sure. information because my life has led me to this question. So yeah, we might've heard it. We might've come into your class and talked about it. Your teacher might've yelled at you to do it at some certain point, but you weren't ready for it. So we try to do some preemptive work, class presentations and orientations and workshops, but we always understand that there's a readiness feature. You know, that you get an interview next week, you're now ready for interview advice. (laughs) And that's fair, right? I mean, a lot of us operate in that way as well. So so, uh, we work both ways. We try to work with a lot of professors and classes, and then also be ready for students as these new ideas come up and um, experiences or opportunities in their lives and help work through pros and cons and what steps to take and how to best approach some of the career decisions. Yeah. And I like that. I like what you said, you know, early was that you help them have a conversation, not just about the role that they're going to fill in a position, but more more broad, more general, the kind of life that you want to live. That's a hard balancing act, right? We get 18 year olds coming in and we tell them to, okay, pick something, right? And that something doesn't always, you know, their 18 year old self doesn't always match their 22 year old self. And and sometimes there's majors. I mean, education is certainly one of them where if you don't get in the game early, you're probably going to spend more than four years trying to get that degree. Um, And I question whether or not that's really the best approach because most 18-year-olds don't have that laser-focused approach early. Mm-hmm. It can be tricky. I think the beauty of Slippery Rock is we have so much variety, 150, even more. It grows every every month. Right. I'm learning about new programs and majors, but that's also extremely overwhelming. Uh, you know, we choose best when it's seven or under, right? So that's... Um, 
given a given a hard buffet for students to pull from. What we often do is, whereas the university shares and explores the great vast of programs, we spend a lot of time looking at buckets, looking at buckets of mm. education or technology or helping fields or business fields. And so what types of content or areas of life are you interested in? And then what bucket does that fit in? And then we can divide in some different programs there. Even some of our programs are only different by five or six classes. And so you don't have to have that exact program known. You just have to know you're in that right track or headed in the right direction. How many of those students seek out that help or that advice early on? with most humans, not as many as they should, but we are working on that. Um, But we're doing some really great inroads with that. And so our, uh, this year, this fall, we did pretty much all of the first classes had a explore a life design presentation content related to thinking about what's their meaning and purpose, what skills and values do they bring, where do they want to grow. Some most classes turned that into an assignment where we had a one-on-one session to plan out three versions of them. So this idea of parallel planning um, sure. to look at to look at different majors, to look at different careers, even look at their experience at SRU if they were business versus education versus exercise science, right? And so right. the clubs you join are different. The conferences you attend, the activities you might partake in, the internships and work-related experience. So it's really fun to do. And I wouldn't say students would ever choose to do it on their own. But again, when they exited the survey, they really noted that they felt more hopeful about their future. They felt like they had more resources or knew about more resources. And so that was a big inroad that that took a couple of years to get that started. And so we saw a lot of students and then we're also testing out the university as a whole is testing out some curriculum that the career office helped to build in a three credit course for students who are unsure of their future and, and of their major. So Whereas all students can benefit from it, we're targeting in on exploratory students because being exploratory is not a bad thing. It actually can be really positive if you are exploring. <laughs> if you're just, not av- just not just existing. <laughs> yes, if you're avoiding, it can be yes. troublesome. I like that better. Avoiding. Yes, if you're avoiding, <laughs> it can be a bit troublesome. But exploring, and this is for students and you know, parents and us as administrators make some mistakes, we uh, we make them feel that if they change their major, it's a bad decision or they've wasted money or they don't know themselves enough. But really, if they take a class or two and they find out they don't like it, it's okay. Slippery Rock's yes. curriculum has enough movement and flow to be okay with that. And you've actually learned something about yourself. So we learn more from doing than just thinking and analyzing. And so being exploratory can be great if you're taking some action steps. So working with the exploratory programs office, which is our next door neighbor in the library, we have um, trying out this experimental curriculum, looking to adjust some of the first classes and really looking for some positive. I think we'll see some positive changes from that and students that are more excited to know where they're going and a little less going on a whim. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I can tell you when I was an 18 year old enrolling in college and I showed up and at that point we still did registration in person 
in the library. Like you sat down with someone and they did your schedule for you and then they handed it to someone. And they asked me what major I wanted to be. And I had absolutely no clue. I was at school to play football, um, not be a student. And so they, well, you got to declare something. I'm like, okay. I literally went through the list of majors and picked the one with the fewest number of credits required. I'm like, political science it is. I'm in. Like, no clue what I was doing, nor any interest in it whatsoever. So any advice at that point would have been great. But yes, I like the idea of just having the conversation with them. And then when I finally realized four and a half years later that I don't want to be a political science major, right? Like, that, you know, I didn't, well, there's separate. But yeah, I... <laughs> I know I, I I have that conversation a lot with I teach primarily juniors and seniors and a lot of them get to the point where they're like, well, I'm not sure if this is it. I'm like, that's OK. You're 20 years old. This doesn't have to be like it for you. Like what? I've been an education major for three years. That's OK, too. Right. There's a mm-hmm. lot of other things you could do with an education degree other than just be a classroom teacher. For sure. So yeah, mm-hmm. I think we need to make that more. Do we right. more okay, like you said? Yeah. yeah. Do we do we see more students coming in as exploratory than in years past? Is it about the same, or do people seem more decided than usual? We do. The major's growing, and I would extrapolate a couple reasons for that. Um, one, I don't think any of us like to make decisions. Uh, two, I think some students like more than one thing, and narrowing to one major feels too limiting, right? So we're, we're seeing our, our Gen Z students being interested in many things and they don't, mm. picking one thing is overwhelming. Not even overwhelming, but doesn't feel like they'll be, get to do all that they want to do. So it's actually kind of exciting to see their interest and their where they want to go. I think also at 18, it's per- perfectly reasonable. The same reasons people are exploratory before. Who knows what they want to do? I'm well past 18 and some days I wonder what I do what I'm going to do or what I'm going to do next. Right. And so, um, but we do see the major increasing and I think that it's not a bad thing as long as we structure some great experiences around students being able to test out majors and the way Slip Rock has its curriculum, the rock studies is a majority of any students in entry into college. And so even if you've declared a major, you're rarely into the depth of your classes, um, by freshman, sophomore year. So we have sure. a great structure to really help students explore well. Yeah. And so when they have that conversation, I mean, how much is that guided by what the current trends are in the market, right? Like what are, what are those fields that we know, or we think we know in a couple of years that are going to be in high demand? Right. Yeah. This is definitely what students want to ask because they are also very cost conscious <laughs> more so sure. than I've ever seen before. And kudos to them for asking and, and wanting to know where majors go. But, um, and we see huge growth in technical that's around the country, right? So computer science or right. information systems or um, any of those technical science, major, computer science, computing majors are growing, I should say. We're seeing um, certainly a teacher shortage across the country. So we've seen education majors decline over the years, and that's why we're at an education shortage. So it's um, good hiring times for a teacher as well. Um, Some of the other areas of growth that we're seeing... hmm, Trying to think of what's been happening. I mean, business has always been a stable field. 
business is very flexible. So that's a pretty strong major for students to go. Communications is immensely popular and is a a great field to go into. We're seeing a lot of growth related to social media and podcasting, right? (laughs) Some of those (laughs) <laughs> Some of those jobs that we couldn't have even imagined a few years ago, I would say that's that's been one of the great examples I give to students is when I started, there was no such thing as social media coordinators or, you know, podcasters. Right. And now it's a huge entry level starting career. So the the problem with getting a little bit too focused, we want to be reasonable that, yes, there are jobs, but we mm-hmm. also want to be building knowledge in what we love and what we're interested in so that we can adapt to what what is coming down the line. So I think as with anything, the market's changing faster than it has been, whereas sure. it might have taken 20 years to, to chug into some new industry. We're now looking at every five years, there's some new areas of growth and new industries. And so being flexible is being willing to learn beyond college, right? And being someone that's curious, being excited about your field, asking questions and taking your skill set and seeing if it can apply in different areas is, is extremely valuable because we there's lots of what ifs and right. ha- happenstance for careers is certainly still occurring and important for individuals. But I know some students really harness in on what what will get them jobs in the future. And I don't even know if it, if we said a tech job, you know, if you majored in a tech career, yeah, it's a great industry. But if you don't love it, is an employer going to make that investment on you? So sometimes even if it is a growing career, if you can't get the energy up to talk about it and be interested in it, it's not to say it's a guarantee employable, you're employable as well. well you mm-hmm. Earlier, you mentioned the life design uh, the life, pro, I'm going to call it a program. I think it's program course, right? I, I'm vaguely mm-hmm. familiar it's from the, out of the university of Stanford. Mm-hmm. Um, but can you talk a little bit about that? And yeah, so life design is, so Stanford took a number of researched principles from education and positive psychology and career theories and applied it to some of the things they're doing with their innovation majors. Uh, so they're known for their creative design and it, it ended up being a really interesting merge. So when you think about a designer, they are tasked with creating something that's never existed before. So sure. you can't always look at how it's always been done. You have to be open and flexible and reflective to find out what's next for you and what's next for this design or this product. So they took some of that concept and applied it to our lives because really who we are to be is yet to be discovered. It's being built on day by day based on where we're interested, where we're building skills, uh, what we're learning about, what the market and the world, the world of work is saying. And so it's, it's more flexible than we give it credit for. So using life design can be valuable for students to both harness in what they're good at and work to those strengths, but then also think about how that could be applied in many different areas. And so that's why we do the parallel planning, the many, many versions of you, because you could be a great teacher, or you could also be a great educational consultant for technology fields, or you could be a human resources development onboarding specialist, all from 
a similar background of education or even psychology, right? So sometimes majors aren't as prescriptive as we tend to think that they are. Yes. There's more flexibility. Yeah, I, I think I've heard someone say, instead of asking kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? That a better question is to ask them, what kind of life do you want when you grow up? Mm-hmm. And, sure. I, and, I, and I love that frame of reference, right? Right. And so different majors or areas of work would be a little bit more flexible for the where you want to live, the location, or uh, the type of work-life balance that you're looking for, or um, the ability to travel, right? Some jobs and careers are really into that. Or if you want to work with a certain cause, uh, so we're facing some big, heavy problems in our country and globally. And I'm excited to see what Gen Z can bring to take their skills and apply it to those causes and those make change for that. I think one of the things- Go ahead. Oh, that I often say to students is, you will be many things and you will do many things. And today we're just gonna work on that next thing. Right, I like Um, that, yeah. Yeah, I forget where I heard this. I heard it in a podcast or a book. It's not very specific, but it's like 10% of 18-year-olds end up becoming what they say they're going to be when they're 18 years old or, or stay in that for some something along those lines, right? It's not. Mm-hmm. If you would have told me when I was 18 that I'd been a college professor, I would have laughed at you, right? Like it's, It just wasn't a thing. Mm-hmm. Some people are still laughing. <laughs> yeah, most fields, the majority, we don't work in the field that we graduate in. And it depends on the... The reason, the voice that's saying it can paint that as a positive or a negative. I'll say that often gets painted as a negative. So then Mm -hmm. college isn't worth it. So then you've wasted your money. So you're a failure, right? But uh, that's how it often gets painted. But really, it, it means we've learned something more about ourselves. It means we've adjusted to the needs of our family and our society. And ultimately, there's not many people who want to retire from the first job they start in, right? So we want to change. We want to grow. We want to try out new things. And so that might mean you don't necessarily leave your field, but you move up and are using different skills and move out of it. So my background is biology. I loved it. I loved the challenge. I loved the sciences. I enjoyed that long work of studying. And I did science education outside the classroom for many years. But my staff was always college students, and that was interesting. And then I worked Hmm. and went into another um, job living with college students and working with them on some of their skills and development. So it's it's like the theme of college students kept sparking up in my jobs. And I finally realized, I just want to work with college students. That's what I want to do. So it's not that I didn't uh, fail by leaving sciences. It's that my work in science allowed me to learn something more about myself. Yeah. I I would think it'd be incredibly boring to be like, to say you're going to do something at age 18 and be 58 and have done exactly that with no deviation whatsoever. There are people out there that that works and that good for them, but me, I'm, I don't know. Maybe it's just my personality. I'm like, all right, now what? (laughs) <laughs> oh, that was fun. What are we going to do next? Well, and to Renee's point too, I think a lot of students are afraid of that failure. Like they're so sure. nervous about picking the right major or getting the right job because, well, what if I don't like it? 
well, you find a new one, you know, you find a new path. It's, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'll get freshmen or a sophomore, or even juniors sometimes that are changing their major and like, can I do this? Yes, it's okay. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's just that we got to stop being afraid of that failure and not even failure. Like you said, it's not a failure. You try it, you adjust and, and go a different direction. We got to move, we got to move past that sometimes. Well, I would say it's more dangerous to specialize early in your career because the jobs are out there. They're so they're changing so much that, you, that it's be, it's more beneficial to be more of a generalist uh, as you go along, and then so you can adapt to the the jobs that are available on the market. And then later on in life is when you specialize and then exploit your 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 your, your specialization uh, into into a career. So I would say that if you're afraid to um, uh, to choose something early on, I'd, I'd be more afraid. Uh, I, I would be more afraid to choose something early than than to be uh, than, than to than to wait. Right. Mm-hmm. Renee, what is your best advice for our students? Uh, ooh, that's a good question. <laughs> I think that I often would tell uh, students to try new things, try new classes. I don't, well, I sound like a cranky old person, right? When I'm saying <laughs> that, um, don't take the easiest professor just because, right? Um, we <coughs> Nick. <laughs> How do you think I keep my enrollment so high? <laughs> um, you know, sometimes you hear students working on schedules and it's like, oh, who's easy or what, what class do I have the least amount of work in? And I get it. There's a reasonable amount of work, but we actually find that we do better and we get closer to our flow state when we have a decent amount of challenge, not ridiculous amounts of challenge, but that we're really challenged and engaged. I think that students do themselves a disservice by taking the easy route and they actually don't engage their brain. They don't engage their interests. They don't learn more about themselves. So I'd encourage students to take take some of the tougher roads every now and then and, and try some things that they might not. Um, I definitely encourage students to take part in what Slip Rock has to offer as far as clubs and organizations and speakers and research, travel and study abroad. It It's... I know there's such, it's a short window of time and I know things can be expensive or we feel like we don't have enough time. But when you look back on college, it was the resources and the ease of doing it was so, is so much yeah, better. Absolutely. <laughs> so I just can't even yep. explain how hard it is to try to do some of the things as, um, you know, being more established in your career and more uh, in administrative positions where you're overseeing staff and having family commitments. And so really understanding that time is on your side more than you think. And so certainly to, to try new things and to take some challenging courses and to push yourself and going back to the fear element, you know, I think it is, there are so many ways and times when we operate on fear and we don't, we are safer because of that, or we think we're safer because of that. But I had heard it phrased in a book that I was listening to that what we truly want is just on the other side of our fears. And so we stop ourselves so often from taking that major that we're going to love and invest in and be 
excited to go to class every day because it doesn't sound as good or because our our parents don't understand that major or we're afraid of what happens. And I think when you're really passionate and excited about a, a career, you make things happen. You make a path for yourself as opposed to not being so interested and you follow someone else's path. Well, Renee, we end this podcast with three questions. The first one is, what is your best SRU memory? Ooh, best SRU memory. Going back over a few years here, I'll have to think about, hmm. I think, um, well, I'll, I'll go with what keeps jumping back in my mind. And uh, I have helped with, orient, not orientation, move-in day. So move-in day. The schedule comes out. I sign up for the same job every year, and I like my little info table job placed at a very specific spot on campus because I bring my sweet puppy, my golden retriever. She's not really a puppy anymore. <laughs> and and it's just a way to get students to come over and parents to ask questions and to interact on a more familiar level, right? There's so much excitement, but also anxiety. And so right. who can't? Who can't resist giving a golden retriever a big hug and and getting some free kisses? And then we get to talk about career and their majors, and it it starts that conversation so much easier than even a presentation in class or some more formal way that the walls are up already. So that that has been enjoyable. So I've done that for many many years, and have um, a couple of pictures on the SRU website of Rocky and my golden retriever shaking hands. <laughs> yeah. You're talking about weekend of welcome. It is, mm-hmm. it is a great, it's one of my favorite traditions. One of the, my favorite things that we do here. It is so much fun. Uh, mm-hmm. that whole move in day is just, I agree. I'm with you. All right. What is the worst career advice you were ever given? Mm. The worst career advice, I think I'd have to go pick on my family for this. And it's not just one person, it's many people. But, And admittedly, we probably all do it to others. But when, when someone is young and thinking about different careers and we all of a sudden say, don't go into that, you won't do make so much money, you won't like it, da, da, da. So I come from a long line of nurses and doctors. And I was pretty much told that I would never, ever, ever I should never be a nurse. I should never work in medicine and I should not be a doctor either just because of they were stressed out, right? Maybe sure. their job had had worn them down. So I think we have to be careful about putting our biases on other people even if we know them and love them, you know, where we are in our career is not the same place that they'll be. And so it it was hurtful to me because I I was excited about it and I felt really uh, sad to not be encouraged to go the right. way that some of my family had gone or, and I also felt like maybe that was because either they didn't like it or maybe they didn't believe in me. Right. So mm. wanting to make sure that we're giving encouragement and realistic encouragement, but that we're not putting our own biases on other people's career decisions. My guidance counselor told me I shouldn't go to college. That was, mm. that was his advice to me. So I proved him wrong. Now I'm teaching it. 
<laughs> to be fair, to be fair, at that time, I was, I am a, a first generation college student, and he was right. I absolutely should not have went to college when I started. <laughs> that was a, that was a long growing process that I had to go through. <laughs> yeah, but we do grow, right? We yep. do grow, and absolutely, those negatives that they stick with us much longer than those positive comments. So, being oh, yeah. careful what we impart on our, on the students we work with, or those in our lives is is important. Yes. All right, Renee. So sticking with your family. Uh, so if your family had found out you were arrested, what would they assume that you had done? Oh, my family found out I was arrested. Hmm. Uh, I guess all I could think of was probably stealing something I wanted, which sounds terrible, but I'm a pretty <laughs> cheap person. Uh, I am low level, cheap, like to save money. I do a lot of financial presentations with students on campus as well and uh, very money conscious. So I guess they'd probably assume that I didn't want to pay full price for something and <laughs> popped it in my pocket. <laughs> uh, that's a great answer. Well, Renee, we really appreciate you taking the time to come on here. It was nice to meet you not running through the halls of McKay. Um, we really appreciate it. Good luck with everything that's going on over in career development. It's, I mean, it's got to be exciting, right? Because it's always changing. It's very exciting. We're very busy. Uh, we're excited to see some graduates and get them off into jobs. It's a great job market for graduates. So we want them to be really knowing how to negotiate, how to talk about what they want, how to really look at jobs that are of interest to them. So we're very excited to work with students and throughout the summer as well. So stop by students, even after graduation. I was going to say, and all you alumni out there that are listening, you get to use the career and development office as well. So, all right, Renee, thank you. It's been a pleasure. SRU, thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you soon. Hello, SRU is brought to you by Slippery Rock University and is part of the WSRU Podcast Network. It's hosted by Jeremy Lynch and produced by Nick Artman and Justin Zackel. If you or someone you know has an SRU story, send it on over to podcast at sru.edu. And if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review Hello, SRU wherever you get your podcasts.